Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Tonight I want to have a conversation with you concerning the ways of God. The church of Jesus Christ has had a long conversation about the figurative representation things. You know, if you talk about Mount Sinai, that's a figure, it's a metaphor for what? For the law, because that is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. If you talk about Abraham, he's a representative of faith. You see, if you talk about David, he's a representative of the heart of God or a man after God's own heart. If you talk about Canaan, what does it represent? Promised land. If you talk about Egypt, what does it represent? Slavery, bondage, and the fallen world. You see that? Slavery, bondage, and the fallen world. The fallen world. So when God sends his servant Moses to go to Egypt and deliver the children of God from bondage and slavery into the promised land, Every time we read Egypt, not the physical Egypt, not present day Egypt. For those that are in Egypt, don't get me wrong, but they're just a figure. They're just a figure. Like when we talk about Babylon, we talk about the worldly system, not a physical place on the map of the world. You see? So we're talking about Egypt, and we're talking about that as a place where the children of God were in bondage and slavery in a foreign land. Because that was not the place of their inheritance. The scriptures are clear. God had allocated a place for the inheritance of the children of Israel. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so the Holy Spirit took me in a conversation to tell me something that the church has greatly missed in this revelation and the experience of the children of Israel. If you recall very well, how do the Israelites build and live and establish life out of their original boundaries and quarters. It begins with a man called Joseph. You recall very well. His brethren sell him into slavery. We know that story. And uh, he goes into the house of Potiphar. Potiphar and his wife get him arrested after being falsely accused by his wife for trying to seduce her. And then he's in prison. And then the king Pharaoh dreams a what? A dream. You know the story. And uh, because of the dream, he has no interpreter. And when he gets an interpreter, he gets an interpreter through Joseph. He gives him charge to be governor of Egypt. And so later on, we see Joseph bring his whole family into Egypt. And then the Israelites start living with the Egyptians. Now, when we go to Exodus, the first chapter, from about the sixth 
verse, the sixth verse, through the families of Joseph and the descendants that come after that, week upon week, year upon year, a lot happens in the lives of the Jews, that is the Israelites. They become rich, they become established, their families are established, their lives are increasing every day, they are amassing wealth in all aspects. And if you read from the Amplified Version, Exodus, the first chapter, the sixth verse, the Bible says, And then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. The next verse says, But the descendants of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, and the land was full of them. Now, the Bible says a king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. A time comes when the king comes who did not know Joseph. For as long as any king came into power and they knew Joseph and the anointing on his life, Israel was preserved. Can you imagine that generations were preserved because of the anointing of one guy who went as a slave in one nation? If you understand that, you'd ask God, do something on my life that through me nations will be preserved even when I'm long gone. Somebody make that prayer right now. Say, God, you did it in the life of Joseph and preserved the whole nation and people for generations because of the anointing upon his life. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that even when I'm long gone, if you're not back in hundreds and hundreds of years, my name mentioned in any generation will give kindness to my seed will treat fairly my descendant, will not introduce anybody related to me lower. They shall be introduced higher in the mighty name of Jesus. Shout hallelujah. So it is possible for generations to be blessed because of one individual. Blessed be that God who gave us power to make wealth that he might establish the covenant that he made with our forefathers. The things that he made with Abraham and the men before us, that when he looks at us, he has no choice but to make us wealthy. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. amen. That's why the Bible says we are entered into other men's labors. And a time will come also when some people enter your labors too. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why I tell people when you sit in a service, when you fast, when you pray, when you put on a sermon in your free time, stop listening to a sermon to just get out of a job issue. Stop listening to a sermon to just get a car or a house or to get married. No. Listen for your generation. Listen for your descendants. Listen for your posterity. Listen for the third and fourth generation. Sometimes when I read the word, I hold my body like this and I say in the name of Jesus, my children receive this too. My grandchildren receive this revelation as well. My great, great, great grandchildren receive that seed. For everything in my loins in the name of Jesus, I impart this grace on your life. You shall never be no more people in the mighty name of Jesus. For if Christ is not yet back, in every household under my loins, there shall be a mantle. And that mantle will not be simple will shape the world. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Get into this also. Get into this. Somebody shout hallelujah. So you're not here listening for you. Your great, great, great grandchildren right now, they're listening. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says, even those which were not born, that the promise of God might be established, not according to works, but according to he that calleth. You see that? Even to those that are not born, that means God has a plan 
for people who are not even yet born in your loins inside your womb there are people generations upon generations there is an election that is standing not of works but of him that calleth and that is in the fact that he has promised through his word that your children shall be for signs and they shall be for wonders he says they shall be Importance. He said, your children shall I teach and their peace shall be many. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. Now we are shaping our children also. Say amen. Say amen. So, back to the story. The descendants of Israel were fruitful and they increased abundantly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong and it was full of them. Now a king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the Israelites are too many and too mighty for us and they outnumber us both in people and in strength. Think about it. This guy finds a whole nation of Egyptians who are producing right, living right, created wealth, done everything there is by the book. And then he comes as a slave brings a small little family of people, perhaps with a few flock, and then they dwell in Egypt. And over the years, because of the hand of God, God's mind concerning Egypt and the mandate and assignment Israel has in Egypt is starting to become very clear. Not only do they become mighty and increase in wealth, but the Bible says that they even started to multiply in number, that they started to outnumber the Egyptians. Was there a plan within, let us produce eight children as the Egyptians produced two? I don't think so. I don't think they had that much technology to do that far family planning. Are you hearing me? But a time comes when the hand of God on the Jew is increasing that they start to outnumber the Egyptians. Are you following me? So this man says, if we don't get these people together, they are too mighty and too many for us, and they outnumber us both in people and in strength. Both in people and in strength. And I want you to underline that. Both in people and in strength. That means the Israelite was not just more than the Egyptian. The Israelite was stronger than the Egyptian. If they were to go arm-on-arm combat, each man facing another, the Jew would have killed and destroyed the Egyptian. But the Israelite did not know it. The Jew did not know it. But the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh then knew it, that these guys outnumber us both in people and in strength. Can you believe that they were enslaved even when they were stronger? There's something Israel had lost. And I'm going to come to that. Now, he says, come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Lest they multiply more and should war before us. They join our enemies, fight against us, and escape out of the land. And so, so they set over the Israelites' taskmasters to afflict and oppress them with increased burdens and built Pithom and Ramses or store cities for Pharaoh. But the more, listen, the Egyptians oppressed them, the more... These people multiplied and expanded so that the Egyptians were vexed and alarmed because of the Israelites. And the Egyptians, the Bible says, because of that, reduced the Israelites to severe slavery. Follow me. Follow what I'm trying to tell us here. The Jews outnumber the Egyptian. They are stronger than the Egyptian. But there's something in them that does not have the mind one to work together. They don't have the revelation of who they are or the will of God concerning 
their lives and destiny in Egypt. And what happens? The king does not say that let us handle them with strength. No. He says let us deal with them shrewdly. That means even though they were more and stronger, the Egyptian was wiser. Are you following me? Even though they were more and stronger in number, they were even richer, but the Egyptian was wiser. You see that? There's a wisdom that Israel had lost. That is why Israel went into slavery. Israel did not enter slavery because they were in a foreign land. That's not true. No, Israel did not enter slavery because they were few in number. Israel did not enter slavery because they were little in strength. Israel entered slavery because they did not walk or live in a higher realm of illumination and knowledge than the Egyptian did. Somebody shout hallelujah. That means it doesn't matter whether you are more than them. It does not matter whether you are richer than them. It matters if you are wiser than them. Because if they deal shrewdly with you, they can belittle you severely to slavery. And this is exactly what happened. And God's will very clearly shown, he continues to still show himself strong on behalf of the Egyptians. And we always use this scripture that the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied, the more they were oppressed, the more they expanded. We always use that portion of scripture. But the question is when we are afflicted and God multiplies us, when we are oppressed and God expands us, are we wiser? Are we wiser? Because if we are not wiser, it does not matter how much multiplication is on our side. It does not matter how much expansion comes. It does not matter how much increase is on our lives. We will still be belittled to severe slavery. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says the Egyptians reduced, they reduced the Israelites to severe slavery. So you can find a smaller number of people, a weaker number of people enslaving a stronger number of people and a people which outnumber them. What would that be? What would that be? But did you know that even in modern history, we have seen experiences of smaller groups of people leading bigger groups of people? It's happening everywhere. Go to the Middle East and see. Find out the population of the real descendants of Oman or United Arab Emirates, and you'll see they're smaller than the rest of the tribes that come into and the rest of the races that come into that nation. It still happens. What are they wiser? Somebody shout hallelujah. And so, when God sees the children of Israel suffering, he says, you know, let me send Moses to go and deliver the children of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh. And this is what the Holy Spirit showed me that amazed me. It was not the will of God to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was the will of God for the children of Israel to subdue Egypt. It was the will of God. But when he sees that they don't carry the wisdom to subdue, he knows that if this continues and they're reduced to severe slavery, they'll be destroyed and the name of Israel will become a reproach across the world. So he sends a savior to go and take them out by his own power and take them to a promised land. Are we following? One, 
if it was just the places of comfort, do you realize that when the children of Israel enter the promised land, it is even worse than Egypt? It's worse than Egypt. The land was swallowing people. <laughs> they looked in their own eyes as grasshoppers. Somebody shout hallelujah. Just follow me. I'm going to justify this. So when he sees that they cannot get this wisdom, they're going to continue in slavery. He gets them out into the wilderness, which was, we all know by scripture, supposed to be a 12-day journey. And again there, he realizes that they don't have enough tenacity, enough potential, enough wisdom, enough faith to make it for 12 days. Moses, in his own words, he tells them that God led them not through the way of the Philistine, even though it was shorter. For they beholding war, the Bible says, they would return and turn back to Egypt. It's in Exodus 13, 17. He says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God let them not by the way of the land of the Philistine. This is Moses speaking. He's not among them. He knows what God is up to. He's not saying God led us not. No, Moses was not thinking like them. The wisdom of God and his life was different. God had revealed his ways to Moses. So he says in the words, says, Pharaoh, when he lets the people go, God let them not by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was nearer. For God said, least the people change their purpose when they see war. The Bible says, and they return to Egypt. That means the fear of what they would see with the Philistine, there was something on the Philistine that was different and more mightier, stronger, more scarier than the glory of Egypt, that they would have gone back into slavery. Do you see? Do you see? I tell people, look, it took God to part the sea for the children of Israel to cross through. But God is saying the mentality they have, if they see the Philistine, they will find their way back to Egypt, even if waters are not parted. Even if waters are not parted, he says they will return to Egypt without a miracle. They are weeping, oh, we don't know where to go. The people which are mightier are weeping. The people which are richer are weeping. The people with God are weeping. But they don't have the wisdom. They don't understand the ways of God. They don't understand the purpose of their occupation in Egypt. Are you hearing me? So he says, he led them not through the way of the Philistine. He did not say that the Philistine would be stronger, but he says, for when they see the Philistine, for the fear of war, they will turn back and return back to Egypt. Because of the fear of war, they didn't even know how to fight at all. That is why God drowned the Egyptians, because the Israelites got to a point where they could not even fight. They didn't even know how to fight. Even the wisdom to build an army, they do not have it. So you can think for yourself what Moses goes through 40 years with them. And the Bible says because he led them not there, they had to go the longer route. God is patient with them. Again, is it the will of God for the children of Israel to be in the wilderness for 40 years? According to scripture? Answer me. No. But he sees that they cannot take this, so let me take them the simpler option. 38 years around Mount Seir. He has to come and tell them, you have been around this land for so long. They're dwelling with the children of Edom, the children of Esau. Somebody shout hallelujah. They don't even know who to fight and who not to fight. That when they are going through, God has to warn them, don't touch this, don't fight with these ones, don't do this. They don't even know who to fight, who is their brother or not. He has to tell them, no, 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 no. The Edomites are your brothers, the Amorites are your brothers. They can't, they don't even know how to do it. Anyway, 
So 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years, the number 40 means trial. Some trials in the spirit are not because they are ordained by divine purpose. But it's because God sees that there is no enough character, spiritual character in you to have the shorter route. And so he allows certain things and those things are allowed because the end of that is he wants to build a certain character in you. If you carry the wisdom of that character, the essence of that revelation, God would not need you to spend 40 years. And that is why I tell people, when you understand how wisdom works, you will do in one year what men take 20 years to do. You will do in two years what men take 60 years to do. You'll do in three years what men take centuries to do. You will do in a hundred years what men take a thousand years to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. God did not intend for the children of Israel to leave Egypt. Psalms 81, the Amplified Version, verses 10. This is God speaking. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. This is a repetition were given an experience of them after the wilderness. And I'm going to explain why he's telling them to open their mouth for him to fill it. He says, my people, listen, would not hearken to my voice. And Israel, the Bible says, would have none of me. Are you hearing me? His people would not hearken to his voice and Israel would have none of him. That means in Egypt, the children of Israel died from the voice of God, even though the blessing of God continued with them. So again, it's possible for a man to walk, increase, multiply, and expand according to the promises of God fulfilled in that man's life, even when the man is dead from the voice of God. Now, listen, verses 12. He says, So I gave them up to their own heart's lust, and let them go after their own stubborn will, that they might follow their counsels. Oh, listen that my people would listen to me. He says that Israel would walk in my ways. He says speedily, then I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Listen to the next line. Had Israel listened to me in Egypt then, those who hated the Lord would have come cringing before him and their defeat would have lasted forever. If Israel was listening, Pharaoh would not have subdued them. If Israel was listening, they that were the enemies of Israel would have cringed before God and their defeat would have lasted forever. God would feed, the Bible says 16, Israel now also with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock would I satisfy you. He's saying if you knew how to hear me, you would not have lost the battle in Egypt. So if Israel had God, Moses would have another assignment. Who was under Surah said, If Israel had God, Moses would have had another assignment. Like if Moses was not hot-tempered, Joshua's assignment would not be realigned and adjusted. Remember, God has called Moses to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. Moses, out of anger, he has hit a rock he was supposed to speak to. God takes him to a mountain. Look at that promised land. You're not going to enter it. Joshua takes over a responsibility that was not originally Moses's. But allow me to also say this. Originally, Moses was not called for that. 
Moses was the other option to allow the children of Israel to be preserved for a posterity to fight another day. But God's mind was this. If the children of Israel had listened to me in Egypt, I would have cringed. I would have brought to nothing. I would have reduced everyone that hates them to zero. Now, let's rewind back. What if Israel kept the covenant? What if Israel kept the relationship? What would Israel have looked like in Egypt? What would Israel have looked like in Egypt? Are you seeing what I'm saying? How many opportunities have we been delivered out by God and we're testifying that we are free and not because we were in bondage in the first place because we're not supposed to be in those places but because even in the places God had plans for we were so indifferent and stubborn. The mystery here is a lasting. They went after their own lust and what is the translation of the word lasting? It's the hardening of your heart toward God. The hardening of your heart toward God. Because every time you harden your heart toward God, you soften it to somebody else. Every time you harden your heart toward the voice of God, you soften your heart to another voice. It's just the opposite. There are no middle grounds. You cannot harden yourself from God and stay of God. No, something has changed and the transaction has now thrown you into a world, a different place a different allegiance, whether you know it or you did not. Not all the things that God has delivered you out of were really places God wanted you out of. But sometimes God can weigh and realize, I gave you a certain grace and anointing. I gave you a certain wisdom and skill and you were not able to carry it. And now if you were not able to carry it, because a lot of things have been, you know, done, things have changed. And it's evident that the children of Israel, instead of connecting to the higher calling, the bigger responsibility to understand why they are in Egypt, they go down and start a lasting for small little things to a place where even when they cross from Egypt into the wilderness, we start hearing them crying to be taken back into slavery because their mind has been zeroed to watermelon and leeks and meat and cucumber, which they ate under the Egyptian. They cannot eat manna anymore because they don't understand the glory of being a sovereign nation. They don't understand that you'd rather starve and be free than feed under slavery because they got to a point where their freedom was meat. Their freedom was what the world could give. Their liberties was what could satisfy their physical self. But they had lost the true note. They had lost the direction of divine purpose concerning their lives. Not everything God delivers you out of, he wanted you out of. Some of these things God has sent us into, we just failed to handle. And he said, you know what? Let me demote this individual. Get them from there because I've realized even though I have sent them there and I'm available to advance them according to my purposes, I realized that they were not prepared for the glory that was ready for them. Why are they increasing in spite of being afflicted? 
Were they multiplying in spite of being afflicted? Because the purposes of God are still continuing. But he is looking for a man who is awakened to the voice to tell Israel and get them together and tell them this is the secret. By now we have outnumbered them. This is the secret. By now we are of more strength than the Egyptian. This is the secret. We are richer. We're the ones building their Ramses and temples. We can get together and collect ourselves and do the purpose for which God sent us in Egypt. God did not send them in Egypt for food. But you cannot blame them. It was the first time they trek from their own land to Egypt through Joseph's brothers. They are looking for food. They are looking for food. At what point did the Jew go to the Egyptian for food? At what point did God's choicest people go to the Egyptians for food? We've seen it. He said, you shall be the heads and not the tail. He said, you shall be above and not beneath. He said, you shall go upward and upward only. Somebody shout hallelujah. I refuse to beg the heathen. It shall never happen, not on my seed, not in my life. I shall always have more. In fact, the Bible says he wants to give you way beyond exceedingly abundantly above that which you dare to ask or think according to the working power that worketh in you. When you see yourself walk to a heathen to beg, something in you is dead. No, he said that you shall lend and have no need to borrow. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. You just need to know how to arrest your seasons. Now we learn by God that Israel is under bondage because they are lusted. They lost the bigger vision and the bigger picture of why they were in certain places. That is why I tell people, when you are at that job, ask the purpose. When you are in that foreign nation, ask the purpose. When you go into the next phase or district and you've been changed by your job and they're telling you, we posted you up country, ask for the purpose because you might increase there, you might multiply there, you might expand and occupy there and lose the picture. One day, if not you, your own seed is enslaved in the very land because you do not carry the wisdom of where God is taking you. That is why it's important for every promotion that comes your way to seek the wisdom to be able to sustain the glory that comes with it. The glory that comes with it. Moses who now gets into this and is unprepared. He's unprepared. And now God is running on time to redeem it, to see that the children of Israel are not reduced to death. And he has to raise a man who is not prepared, a man who is stuttering, a man who doesn't even know how to control his temper. And you say, why did he choose that man? No, he sees that his heart is the right one and it's the available heart toward him, even though it's still indifferent to the real responsibility and how God wants to do this. So yes, we are jubilating. We are celebrating the glory of God parting seas for them. We're celebrating the glory of God fighting the enemies and sinking the Egyptians and they're singing it in their songs every year. Kings in different lands start to fear them because they say, we know what your God did with the Egyptians. He drowned them. He put an indelible mark to cause them to always walk in every place with fear. With fear. They, men, fearing them because they know what the God 
of Israel can do, but that was not God's will. That was not God's will. And here's the mystery. Take heed when you find yourself in places that are not familiar. Take heed when you find yourself in places you know you don't deserve. Take heed when you find yourself in places that you see are not originary for your inheritance. Take heed when you see God invite you in spaces that other people are occupying or have occupied before. God is trying to tell you something bigger than you are able to interpret at that hour. So you pity the man with increase but without the wisdom of God's mind. Do you know the gospel as we know it and world history as we know it would have changed if Israel had taken over Egypt? Do you know that? Do you know even the shape of this continent, Africa, would be different? Are you seeing how far this goes? Are you seeing God's plan? In why he's always throwing them this side. Even in the time of Jesus, he's throwing them. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now this time round in the mighty name of Jesus. Now that we are alive to discern that which God is up to in this generation, we are not losing our moment as God connects us to the world. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody shout hallelujah. We're not losing our moment. We're not losing our time. We're not losing our purpose. I've seen people who were anointed so early and they did not understand why they were anointed. I lived and walked with people who were consecrated and sanctified early, but they did not know why they were consecrated and sanctified early. That is the one thing they have never known. And yes, increase came. Yes, multiplication came. Yes, even in the affliction, God came out through for them. And now they too have registered deliverances not according to the purposes of God. Not according to the purposes of God. It's according to how he sees that they are able. God is so merciful that he will not allow you to die because you have failed to understand what he has called you to do. He will make a simpler way for you and plan to preserve your posterity. And this is so painful. Because by the time they spent 40 years, even there, the provision and the glory of God is still on them. Clouds are before them. Fires by night are leading them. Of course, the enemies are chasing them. But God is with them. Even in their ignorance, even in their madness and indifference from out of God's mind and purpose, He's still with them. He's still with them. Even when they think, oh, I think it is the will of God. Otherwise, why would the waters have parted? I think it was the will of God. Some people say, oh, you know, I think it was time for us to leave. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this. God is so jealous about his own that he does not want his child to lose any fight, even if their child is wrong. 
Did you hear what he just said? He's so jealous that he doesn't want you to lose any fight, even if you were the wrong one. Because even I would not want to see my child lose any fight. Yet God is holier. Somebody shout hallelujah. I can't watch anybody just beat my child and I'm watching. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. How? You understand what I'm saying? Remember Jesus at the cross. He carries the very indelible mark of sonship and the responsibility that should come from the Father. Why have you forsaken me? Because I don't know you to do that. I don't know you to leave me in a fight. That's not God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Has he not said so? He said, I shall never leave thee nor forsake thee. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. We see that he is so merciful that he says, maybe you were not ready for this. And so Satan afflicted you. And I have a plan to get you out of that. But you see, firstly, switch yourself off from the Alastians. Make sure that in every place I have placed you in purpose, you are not Alastian or you are not doing this for yourself. If you lose the vision of yourself and focus on my vision toward you, you'll be amazed at what I was trying to do or tell you when I placed you in certain places. Somebody shout hallelujah. That job was not so that God would show your enemies that they were wrong about you. And you could go down there. You could go that route very easily. You know, somebody speaks evil about you and then things turn and then God justifies you, vindicates you and another person falls into trouble and then you say, see, God has proved. And that's a little, small, little, 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 small, little, 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 small things. God doesn't fight such battles. He's not there. So one time, I was having a conversation with God and I said, and I gave an example once and I said, when Joseph was accused by Potiphar's wife and is put in prison, Huh? And then the king dreams a dream and then gets Joseph out. And then Joseph becomes, you know, the celebrated life and story of Egypt. I thought God was going to go back to Potiphar's wife's story and see a way to get into that thing and bring this woman out to expose her for what she did to him. To show that, you know, this woman did it wrongly. She forced, because I imagine, I imagine, I imagine in Joseph's time that even when he's made governor, some women used to fear sending their daughters to him. I believe when they were going to serve him food, the woman would say, when you go serve, serve it quickly and run out. For you know what that man becomes. He has a record <laughs> of abusing women. You see that? And you might think that God might want to come down there to tell these people, you know, I'll make sure that I start this thing one day out and then I'll make sure that I'll vindicate you before all. Some vindications can come through if they are beneficial to the advancement of your purpose. But if God sees that it's not important whether Egypt knows the truth or it doesn't, he is the kind of God who can let that story continue. He's trying to say, if it was important for me to vindicate you before the whole of Egypt, I would do it. When I see the people that are accusing you, he's saying they are not important for me. They even have no bearing on your life. In fact, in 2021, you will not even know Potiphar's wife's name. 
But they will know you, Joseph. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he tells you, take your eyes from people who gossip about you. Take your eyes from people who slander you. Uh-uh. Let them speak whatever they're speaking. A time will come one day when your name is spoken where they can't even remember their generation. Your enemy's generation. I say, God, why? Why? But he says, but no, for you, you know. That means he preserves that vindication later for those that must learn from you. For those that are accorded to your purpose, that sort of have a certain regard of what's upon your life to educate and teach their lives. For those that should or were not meant to learn or receive from you. He says, uh-uh. They don't need to know the truth. Either way, they fed under your hand. Joseph, either way, whether they knew the truth or they did not know the truth, they fed under your hand. When famine came, you're the one who had that wisdom. They didn't. It should be enough. And I see in that time, there are also people who had the wisdom say, look, regardless of what we've had, we've actually, this whole nation would be gone without this man. And some of them perhaps in wisdom would have honored him that way. But also there should be a kind which still says, but mm, I have reservations about that guy. I have reservations about that woman. Yeah, we have issues. You understand us, man? And God tells you, that's not important. That's not even important. Move on. So, as a man of God, I have come to the acceptation of the things God might never change. Why? Because I've gotten a vision about the bigger picture. About the bigger picture. About the bigger picture. I know what God called me to be. And I know what he called me to do. The Lord told me that as you continue growing and serving me, when they think you're here, they'll be shocked you are beyond that. And when they think they have actually understood you as my apostle, I'll always do something that takes you beyond what they think. And that is why if for as long as you know me, I'll surprise you. I'm not boasting. I will surprise For as long as you know me, I'll always amaze you. Why? Because I know what's upon my life. You can also claim that for yourself. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because that's what the word says. He says, you have made me a wonder. And that my soul knows very well. May you be a wonder to the world. Somebody shout hallelujah. May you amaze them always. Somebody shout hallelujah. Where they think you are, you will outwit. Where they think you are, you'll always be above. When they think you are wise, you'll always be wiser than they think. You'll always be richer than they think. You'll always be more blessed than they think. You'll always be stronger than they can imagine. I live in this world as a wonder. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. But the point was, you might even go back into, now let me go back and try to vindicate. God is saying, you're losing the bigger picture. You're losing the bigger picture. The picture is, Joseph, I have sent you ahead for your brethren as a preservation of their posterity. And anything that happens within that journey is inconsequential. You must fulfill what I sent you out to achieve. Now, if Joseph tells his brothers that do not weep or do not hold this against yourself in Genesis 45, verse 7, for God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Some people might think he's talking about food. Some people might think he is talking about food. He's not talking about food. There were times in human history the Lord showed me that 
Israel went through things that they would not have gone through if they had another place somewhere in Egypt. If they had another dwelling place in Egypt, a secondary dwelling place in Egypt that was established. Notwithstanding, God would still take them back to the land that they're in because that's their land. But God wanted to put another provision for them in the times when they were in trouble. But when Israel was beaten and destroyed and scattered, they had no place to go. They scattered across the world. If Egypt was preserved, it would have been another collection place to preserve them while they wait for the redemption that should come to go back into their land. Did somebody understand what I just said? Because it was important for Israel to be one as a people. That split and separation that we see, that disconnection and division within Israel has affected the world so greatly. God did not want those people to be divided, but something kept them divided. And this ignorance continues to divide Israel. Satan has wanted to divide that nation for so long because he knows what they can become when they are one. The Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for they are blessed, they that love her. We're praying for Israel, even now. We're praying for them. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. But for you who is listening to this sermon as I come to a close, seek for God's wisdom. In every place, that he sends you, in every place that he appoints you, in every place that you're into, especially in the places where you start to see God's provision and increase and multiplication. When you start to see God expand you, or he say, I pray God that I lose not the wisdom and purpose for why you're expanding me here and what you are up to, or else you'll be enslaved and take generations and slave your children's children as well in that ignorance. But that cannot be so now. God has revealed it. And his redemptive power is available for us right now because he has revealed and he reveals to redeem. Somebody raise your voice and start to thank God and thank God for your life. Speak to God concerning the wisdom that you need for your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, speak in other tongues or any other language that you understand. You are the pillar of light to me. You are the pillar that holds my life. Master Jesus, you are the pillar that holds my life. Master Jesus, you are the pillar that holds my life. Help me quiet. You are the pillar that holds my life. You are the pillar that holds my life. Master Jesus, you are the pillar that holds my life. Master Jesus, you are the pillar that holds my life. Sing one more time, telling you are the pillar that holds my life. Oh. You're the pillar 
word and why this comes to you in this season and in this part of your life is that to the end you will not miss your season you will not miss your purpose you will not miss your course you will not miss the assignment the defined mandate of your life and that you'll be where god wants you to be that you'll not attract unwanted wars and seek deliverances that are out of his purpose even though they will be available because of his love and mercies god says you will not need them if you know how to heed to his voice for a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself he is the saving strength of his anointed i thank god that it is well with you and that this propels you and aligns you to your destiny and purpose of your life in jesus name those of you that are sick in your body heal right now those that are bound be free i pray for your families i pray for your ministries i decree that this is a great month for you a great year for you god is going to make you shine in places of darkness even in the least expected places he says your deserts will blossom in jesus mighty name shout amen and now those of you who have never given your life to christ i want you to confess these words with me right now say father I thank you that you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.